Cece was six years old at the time and would have been fast asleep, except that the tenement our family lived in on Lennox and 133rd was the size of a crackerjack box, with walls twice as thin and sound carried easily from room to room. Cece, in bed at the other end of the apartment, remembers laying wide awake that night, listening to every word. She couldn't understand everything she heard, of course, but years later, Mom filled in the details. Apparently, my father wanted my name to be a sort of homage to jazz. He sold insurance for a living, but he was a frustrated sax man, and he figured if he couldn't spend his life playing jazz, he at least ought to be able to honor his love of America's only original art form by making it part of his baby daughter's name. He said this while Duke Ellington's sophisticated lady serenaded Mom from the stereo, mind you, so it's no wonder she got the hint. Fine, she said. We're well into the fifties, so why not really be modern and use a Y in place of the I while you're at it? But Dad said that was carrying uniqueness a bit too far. Besides, he argued, with a Y instead of an I, people would be confused about the right way to pronounce the name. He won the argument, eventually, and so my birth certificate reads Jasmine Shelby. That's Jasmine with a Z. Now, that phrase might sound cute, but sometimes I find it downright annoying because I know I'll have to go through life repeating it over and over again. No one seems to get the spelling right on the first or second try. I think it's great that Mom and Dad went to the trouble of making my name unique, but I've often considered changing it to Sally or Linda or maybe Jane, as in see Jane run. That's one spelling everyone can manage. Of course, that kind of name wouldn't last me any longer than my straight perm did because I'm my own me, nappy hair and all. And truth is, Jasmine suits me best. Folks will figure out how to spell my name sooner or later, I suppose, especially after they see it splashed across the jacket of my future bestseller. Meanwhile, I've got my work cut out. The Garden of Eden Day and night, the electric sizzle of the neon sign hisses its invitation. Come on in. If you have the price, we'll sell you a pint of paradise. April 16th You can be right next door to paradise and not even know it. I think about that sometimes when I sit here, warming up the stoop, surveying Amsterdam Avenue from my self-styled post, smack between the laundromat and the Garden of Eden Bar and Grill. The Bar and Grill blasts rhythm and blues on the jukebox all hours of the night while cocaine changes hands in dark corners and pool sharks in the back room beat amateurs out of a week's pay. The Garden of Eden has its share of snakes, so you might say it's an angel or two shy of heaven. But the name sure gets you thinking, and thinking is one thing I'm good at. Just as well, since between these Coke bottle spectacles and these chicken legs of mine, ain't nobody inviting me out to dance. Cece hates it when I denigrate myself out loud that way. She swears I'm beautiful, mainly because she's my big sister and imagines that's her job. I don't have the heart to tell her otherwise. A pair of contact lenses would help my cause. It's the 1960s, for God's sake. Nearly everybody's wearing them. 
I told Cece this. Okay, so it's a slight exaggeration, but I was trying to make a point. Cece yawned and shook her head. That's my baby, she said, always good for a laugh. Every once in a while, I slip downstairs in a scoop-neck sweater and tight hip-hugger jeans, minus my specs, in hopes of drawing a bit of positive male attention. It works, too. Of course, I'm blind as a bat, so Lord help me if I'm doing laundry that day. I have to dig around in my pocket, pry out coins for the washer and dryer, and choose the right ones by feel. Either that, or pull out a handful of coins and squint which kind of defeats the purpose. I swear I'm not planning on being this vain and shallow all my life, just till I get through high school.